In 2002, Jill Killen saw a need for a family-friendly community space in the Northeast Seattle neighborhood of Maple Leaf. Armed with a passion to provide high-quality food and coffee, Jill opened the beloved Cloud City Coffee on Roosevelt and 88th. Since its inception, Cloud City has evolved into the town hall of Maple Leaf, with a following of regular customers who make each day feel like home. Since then, Jill has now purchased El Diablo on Queen Anne and recently started Royal Drummer in Ballard. While her menus have expanded and the coffee program has evolved, the mission and spirit to provide a place for Seattle to call home remains the same. Join our coffee conversation with Jill Killen as we discuss the Seattle coffee scene, her favorite coffee drinks, and what it's like to run three beloved coffee shops in the city of coffee. Welcome to Rise Seattle Podcast, a podcast about Seattle, the people, their stories, and Seattle's future. Here's your hosts, Phil Greeley and Tyler Davis-Jones. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rise Seattle Radio. I'm Tyler Davis-Jones, and unfortunately today we won't be hearing the sultry voice of my co-host, Phil Greeley. Uh, he's been crushing it this week at his job as well as at the podcast, and uh, he needed some much-deserved time off, so we're going to give it to him. Uh, today we have the pleasure of actually interviewing Seattle Transplant, originally from the South in my region, uh, Jill Killen. Jill, thank you so much for being on the on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, yeah, Jill, Jill's the owner of three Seattle favorite indie coffee shops, two of my personal favorites, one being Cloud City Coffee, which is in Maple Leaf, uh, El Diablo Coffee, Coffee, which is in Queen Anne, and then the Royal Drummer, which you recently just opened in Ballard. Correct. So, Jill, I, along with many of our listeners, you know, we love your coffee. We love your coffee shops. We love the, the atmosphere. Um, and we've enjoyed those for a really long time. So I'm excited to chat with you um, just today. It's going to be fun. Yeah, thank you. I'm super honored to be here. Sweet. Uh, so obviously, Seattle is a coffee city. It's iconic, right? Like, we are the coffee city. So how did you end up here owning three different shops in our hometown in the city of Starbucks and Tolly's. Well, you know, it's weird. I, I worked in high tech for a while and I lived in Maple Leaf and we had an, a little part of the neighborhood that didn't have coffee and we kept saying, gosh, I wish Starbucks would open. When's Starbucks gonna open? But there wasn't good real estate. There wasn't a good commercial zoning effort on Roosevelt in particular. And the local coffee shop burned down on Thanksgiving in 2001 and oh wow um, what, what was that coffee shop uh the cafe news okay and it was next door to the um reckless video and to a dance studio it was a whole building yeah. there that people forgot was there wow so over by like ace hardware area? across the street across the street wow. that's where that new building is now yeah um next to the snappy dragon it almost took snappy dragon it was close whoa uh, but we all rolled out of bed thanksgiving morning walked over to roosevelt and watched them put the fire out and it was a rough day. Um, a lot of people lost their jobs, and mm. um, it was kind of a sleepy little business uh, neighborhood at that time. And since then, you know, we've had Cloud City open, and Maxine's, and the Ace Hardware's been reinvigorated, and Reckless reopened. So now it's a great little um, business development. 
So anyway, we wanted coffee in our neighborhood, and nobody seemed to be doing anything about it. And it was still early 2000s. It was 2002. So before Starbucks had quite as many shops. And so we said, let's do this. And so we talked to a space we found had become available at 8801. It was a, a dog treat bakery at the time. It needed a ton of work. Right. But and this is the current building that Cloud City is in. This is the current building. Right yeah. now. Okay. So and dog treat. Dog treat bakery. Yeah. I wonder why that went out of business. That's so yeah. interesting. Actually, you know what's weird is they had a deal <laughs> with a large clothing company. I'm not going to say who. Okay. And... They moved, built another factory elsewhere, and then that company pulled out their their mm. backing, mm. and they ended up going under. So, um, yeah, they actually were doing really well. Um, okay. It was a bummer. But so we pitched the landlord, and he believed in us, actually. It was kind of cool. And wow. we put our life savings into it and more and friends' loans and um, really had no business starting a business. Yeah. Even though I'd run businesses before, I... I don't, I don't think I appreciated how hard it was to own your own business. Mm. And so we had a few rough years, but um, Maple Leaf is awesome. And we learned a lot about running a business and learned a lot more about coffee, mm. which we didn't know nearly enough about either. And uh, we're still thriving. So I love it. Uh, oh, that's beautiful. I mean, beautiful. I think that's part luck and part hard work and part moxie. Right. I don't know. Right. Well, I think, I think too, that's like... That's the uh, plight of the entrepreneur is like, one, you almost need a little bit of luck, you need a little bit of skill, and you need just time to be able to like prove yourself. And so it sounds like you guys have really encapsulated that. We did. And and you you have to want it hard enough. Hustling is a good word. Yeah. Yeah. We had to work hard and figure out ways. I mean, I mean, you know, desperate times calls for desperate measures. You know, we... During a time when we weren't as busy, I said, why don't we sell our drip coffee for a dollar? And it it turned out to be this huge hit. And now we end up, you know, we still do it. Like we we make sure it happens. Like we don't care what it takes. We're always going to have dollar drip because it brings in the whole strata of every type of person you can imagine in Seattle. We have one regular homeless customer that all the customers keep his charge card filled. So he always has coffee. Oh, man, I love that. We've got... um, Rich people, poor people, elderly. Um, the guy that helped me open the new shop in Ballard was a longtime customer because his elderly friend John was a mm-hmm. customer. And, you know, when you're older and on a budget, Dollar Drip makes sense. So yeah, we, we love being able to just see the different types of people that could come in. That's that. so great. I had no idea you had Dollar Drip. That's that's yep. awesome. Yep. Um, so what what is the what's the cost, actually, of the Dollar trip, Drip for you? Like, what does one cup of coffee for you cost, and kind of what do you end up? getting out of that um you know the cup itself is probably about 20 cents okay. and labor and the equipment and right. we just bought a whole new brewer which was oh, nice. quite a bit of money but yeah. um you know we're probably in the 40 to 50 cent range okay. and then cream and sugar and all that right, adds right, on right. so yeah, i mean just sense. you know coffee prices have gone up and you know sometimes we don't you know maybe we just barely break even but it brings people in right it's more of a service to the community it's a service and yeah. you know people come in and they buy a muffin with it right of or course a lot of, of people course. just come in and buy the drip but yeah. you know i got a whole have a whole cadre of vietnam vets that come in in the morning and it's really cool to to see them come in and hang out and yeah. like every day come in and this is their place That's we're like, their community oh, yeah. and i have you know we've struggled with the thought of dollar drip does that send the message that we're cheap or mm-hmm. we have cheap coffee or we don't value our product mm-hmm. um but um 
I think you just have to taste it to know that we do. Right. And you have to know who our roasters are to know that they value the work that they do. Right. And we don't want to disrespect the farmers and the growers. Right. But for us, it's about, you know, primarily community first. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see that as inflation of coffee going up? Do you ever see that cost potentially going up? Because at some point, you're, you're probably going to be going in, into the red. It, you know. We've always said, you know, we reserve the right to... to Maybe one day it'll be two dollar drip. Mm-hmm. You know that may be what happens. Yeah, you know because we want to, we have an honor bar. It's we like to have people be able to just leave a dollar. Yeah, maybe it'll turn into two dollar. So yeah. gotcha. It you know that's real that's reality. But we've managed to to be able to pick certain coffees that are still delicious that mm-hmm. don't break the bank. Cool, that's great. Yeah, well, what a fun little story. I had no idea. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, so so speaking of of the economics of coffee, right? Uh, can we talk about owning a small coffee shop in Seattle? Um, you know, when, on one hand, there seems to be an unending demand of coffee um, and food, as well as a stream of new people with disposable income, right? I'm thinking the Amazonians and Microsoft guys and mm-hmm. the Google guys, like you got to keep, and Facebook that just moved in. Um, so I, I'm assuming these guys, you got to keep them uh, caffeined up, caffeinated. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm guessing that you have to sell a lot of $4 or even $1 cups of coffee um, to be able to pay Seattle's high rent. So what does that dynamic actually look like for you? Well, it, it it's also Seattle's high uh, pay as mm-hmm. well as an issue, um, which I'm supportive of. But um, at some point, yeah, you've got to, you know, we, we try to run labor a little bit. A little bit short in the mornings mm-hmm. to allow us to be open later in the evening, right? And that does help. Um, you know, as we approach fifteen dollar minimum wage, um, I see us maybe just cutting our hours. But so far, knock on wood, we've been lucky in that as pay has gone up, um, we've the business has, has been able to sustain it. And 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 I was supportive of that measure, and I still am. Um, but you know, uh, to be honest, I'm a little nervous about right. what's what's going to happen. But we're all in this together. All those businesses yeah. are going to be in the same boat together with the minimum wage. Um, rents are higher, and um, so the goal is just to to churn as many people through as possible while still providing great service. Mm-hmm. So, do you do you feel that you will have to hire less, um, or even potentially? Uh, lay off some folks in order to get to that $15 range. I mean, I, we, we recently interviewed uh, Susie Burke. Um, she's very uh-huh. anti the $15 uh, wage. Um, and not to pit you against her or anything along those lines, but what are some of those fears? I guess let's speak to some of those fears that you have. Um, I mean, the fear is just running a super high payroll and, mm-hmm. you know, $15 is more like $19 after you figure in taxes. And, right. Um, and... You know, a lot of people say, well, you're the business owner. You're there day in, day out. You have other costs, and employees can come and go. But, you know, minimum wage didn't keep up like it should have for a number of years. So it should be higher. I do believe that. It's Mm -hmm. just, should it be higher this fast? I don't have an answer to that. And I think history will decide that for us. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think it should be higher. And I, um, I, I see my employees struggling to pay their rents. Right. And finding a place to live and being able to stay in the city and having to have eight roommates in one house and 
um, it's it's really hard out there mm-hmm. for them. And you want baristas to be professional. You want this to be a profession for them. There's a lot of training that goes into mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And so you got to pay for that. Yeah. And I, I, I do support that concept, but I get the fear, especially for businesses that run on a super tight margin. Um, I don't foresee us laying people off. I just foresee us maybe shortening our hours, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably be the first place I'd go. Mm-hmm. Raising rates a little bit, shortening our hours. I don't see us ever doing a service charge. I'm not mm-hmm. a big fan of that as a customer. Right. So... As in, as in a tip charge, is that what you're saying? Or just a, an automatic service automatic charge. Automatic charge, okay, yeah. I see. Um, yeah. We'll probably just raise our prices, shorten our hours, and then kind of see what everybody else does. I mean, gotcha. I think all of us businesses will maybe move in the same direction together so mm-hmm. that customers experience the same thing at every cafe and at every restaurant. Whereas now you go to Rene Erickson's places and there's a 20% charge automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, um She's, you know, the one-off shops, I think, have it a little bit harder because they're braving it first. Right. And I'm honestly waiting and seeing what happens. I, yeah. I always just try to stay ahead of the curve. Like, whatever minimum wage is going to be, I pay people more than that mm-hmm. before that happens. Yeah. So that they know they're valued. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, and you, and you retain employees that way. You retain term. employees. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, tell me about, like, what are your thoughts on... Um, I know this is big in New York and it's starting to make its way towards Seattle as far as the no tip, right? Where you do include the service charge. Mm-hmm. Um, are you for that against that or what's your thought there? I think an automatic 20% is just, that's a lot. I mean, yeah. I think that's, um, I think I'd rather just charge more per item mm-hmm. and then have a no tip. I mean, it's, it's a big difference. I mean, they make pretty good money with the tips. So mm-hmm. to eliminate the tips altogether um, would be a big hit. So if it does come to that, which I'm fine with, um, I don't feel like people should be obligated to tip anything. But if it comes to that, then it's going to, whoever's that, that first round of employees that feels that, they're going to feel it first. And then yeah. there's going to be turnover, sure. Yeah. And, but like I said, because we're all going to be in the same boat, maybe. Maybe they'll have nowhere to go because we'll all be doing the same thing. So right. I, I just don't know what's going the next three or four years are going to hold. I'm curious mm. to see what happens. And I've thought about opening a shop in Shoreline or Edmonds where they don't have the minimum just wage. Just to see what happens. Yeah, I see, yeah, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens. I mean, I'll always pay more than the minimum wage, but mm-hmm. um, are those shops, you know, are those cities going to follow suit because they're so close to Seattle? Right. Is it going to become the Washington norm? I don't know. I, I do feel, I do firmly believe minimum wage is so far behind. Right. It should have been it should have been at this level. Right. But it should have taken slow increase. A much slow yeah. a much longer time to do it. Yep. So the rest of the economy could have could adjust to it. Yeah. That's great. All right. So let's let's talk about each of your shops. Uh, can you take us through the vibe of Cloud City and then of El Diablo and then Royal Drummer? Yeah. Well Cloud City, you know, our first and um, I had a business partner when I started and then I bought her out about six years ago, but it's definitely because of the way we started with the Dollar Drip community first, lots of different people, lots of kids. Mm. It could yeah, be, my wife and I are in there with our daughter all the time. Love it. Yeah, so, we, yeah. we totally were welcoming of kids, and when we, when we started doing that, we realized we've got something here. People really appreciate this, and I didn't have a kid then. I do now, and I see now why that's so important. It's so nice mm-hmm. to take your kids someplace and let them have you know, have a distraction so that right. you can have an adult conversation. Um, so it, it gets, 
you know, noisy sometimes, a little bit quieter at others. You know, you've got the table of older folks that sit together every morning and a variety of people, community activists come in. I've met lots of really cool people there, northeast, you know, corner of the city people, movers and shakers. So I'm so gratified to have opened that shop there and have met the people I've met, you know, city council people and reporters and mm. lawyers and, you know, nonprofit starters. So yeah. Lots of cool people in the northeast corner. And yeah, then, if you have any uh, recommendations on us interviewing anybody, send them my way. Absolutely. So that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And um, then uh, El Diablo I bought in 2012, and I knew the owner. I'd heard the owner was looking to move out of the business. So I was fortunate enough to be able to get it, and it took a couple years. Um, I wanted to make a few changes. Queen Anne had really embraced the shop as it was, and I kept most everything. I kept mm -hmm. its Cuban, so I kept the Cuban theme. Um, but I added drip coffee. I added chai I mm. added just a regular latte, but we kept everything else the same. Okay. The, Beer tap, that's something that my wife used and I used to frequent. Yep. That, yeah, yeah, we kept the, the liquor yeah. and, uh, not liquor, but beer and wine. And um, just because, you know, it, the shops up there opened a little bit later. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, we, we put in a few little kids things. Just It's just a smaller shop, so I don't have as much space. Um, redid the patio area, got married back there. Oh, no way. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's cool. So we were like, we could put $10,000 into a wedding and lose the money forever, or we could redo El Diablo's back patio and keep it forever. And I always yeah. have that space that's ours. Yeah. Um, and it's an incredible place, space. If you ever need to, like, especially when it's nice out, there's jasmine and flowers and it's covered and yeah. it's, it's and you get Wi-Fi. It's like, I think one of Queen Anne's little special secrets of mm -hmm. places to hang out. Well, and you, you, you never, like, the, I remember the first time I walked back there, I was like, wait, what is this? And yeah, you don't realize um, it's when I there. lived on Queen Anne, I would work back in that little area all the time because um, you're right. I, I think it's like almost kind of a hidden gem, mm -hmm. um, especially if you go there early in the morning, there's nobody out there. Mm -hmm. and you could have a conference kinda, call. Right. Nobody cares. So good. Yeah. So, yeah, it had lots of art on the walls and we kept most of the art. Okay. Um, but we're slowly trying to turn that shop into a more specialty coffee shop. So we're going to keep the Cuban theme, but we're going to do more and more um, kind of coffee geek kind of stuff. Um, cool. Still want to keep it community focused. We have so many regulars in that shop. And we've gained lots of young new customers that are in the tech field. And um, that's really helped make that store very much a thriving store. Right. So it took, it took a couple of years, but that store is really cranking now. And we pretty much have a line constantly that we obviously try to work as fast as possible. Like <laughs> I like the lines, but I don't want people to wait a long time. Right. So, um, do you, uh, Royal Drummer is the new shop. We named that after a, a Parisian cafe from the 1760s, um, that I was surprised me nobody had ever used. And, you know, Marie Antoinette was a customer and Louis wow. XVI was a customer in back in the day. Uh, Paris had a thriving coffee scene back then. And so, um, and so did London before they switched to tea houses. So, um, 1700s were big for coffee and we, um, coffee's changed a lot, especially since 2008, 2010, it's really becoming what they call the third wave. So it's more focused on the craft of the coffee mm. and really learning, um, the types of varietals that go into it, 
roasting lighter in a more Scandinavian method, um, really bringing out the natural flavors of those coffees. Instead of tasting the roast, you taste the beans, and you prepare the coffee in such a way that you get to taste those natural flavors. Um, for Ethiopia, coffees might have like a blueberry note, and um, Central American coffees might have uh, some apple notes and some caramel, and so you, it depends on the region, depends on the varietal, um, and so you, you roast in such a way as to bring that out. And we wanted to have fun with it. I specifically hired people that love coffee and love to geek out on coffee, so mm. they, we all have fun with creating specialty drinks and um, signature beverages, um, and then we have four roasters at a time there. We're a multi-roaster cafe. So we switch out one roaster per month. So we just, cool. for instance, just got anodyne coffee out of Milwaukee. Gotcha. And they replaced Ozo out of Boulder. And just roasters, you do ne you never see these guys mm. in uh, Seattle. So yeah. um, That seems to be a theme because like, I think of the, the KEXP uh, headquarters, the new yeah. La, La, Mor La Marzocco. Yeah, mm -hmm. Marzocco. And how they're kind of doing a rotating... It's about they switch well. it out. Yeah, yeah. that's Which so is much so fun. smart. Yeah. Yeah, I love seeing that. That's but I try to hit it at least once a month to see that right now it's intelligentsia out of Chicago. Yeah. <clears throat> so for practical purposes we always keep local uh, company. So our house roaster there is Camber out of Bellingham, which is also the same as Tony's coffee, which cool. is what my other two shops use. So we use Camber and then we always have another local guy. Like right now it's Felton's out of Everett. Just because of shipping and logistics and mm -hmm. if, we, if we have a busy week you know we need to be able to get coffee fast because if you're getting stuff from the east coast it takes a little while mm -hmm. and i'd love to get like my goal is to get australian or european coffee or scandinavian coffee um yeah i don't know if that's practical but it's on the wish list that's great well you're, and you're constantly dreaming so 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 speaking of geeking out on coffee like mm -hmm. what would you say makes a good cup of coffee i i would I love coffee. I grew up drinking coffee. My, you know, I I always have an, a black cup of coffee in the morning or three. Um, but You're I wouldn't my say ideal I'm customer. that's okay. Good to know. Good to know. Um, but I, I wouldn't call myself a connoisseur. So, like, what what would you say? Is it the beans? Is it the brew? Is it the way it's roasted? What's kind of the well, the, the cheesy but true answer is it's what whichever way you like it. Honestly, okay. Pe people come in and they either super proud of what they order or they're really ashamed. Like, I put a lot of stuff in my coffee. And I'm like, you yeah. know what? You like it how you like it. That's right. what gets you up in the morning. It's your morning baba, right. whatever it takes. Um, I personally like, you know, just black drip coffee myself. I like it. I make it with the Kalita at home, and I have a really good grinder at home. And really So the grinder one. makes a difference, huge, you would say? Okay. A huge difference, yeah. Wow. I've switched all my stores out to a... Malconig EK43 grinder because it's been proven to be the most consistent. It's not cheap, but it makes delicious coffee. Did you get one at home as well? No, no, it's huge. <laughs> oh, okay, um, I have a little, a little guy at home that uh, does well. But I have a Barazza Vario, but it's it's a great little home grinder. But um, cool. yeah, for the stores, I I like I think my EKs because they produce very 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 consistent coffee. Like sometimes you have a bad grinder that produces a lot of inconsistent sizes of the of the grinds and you look it up under a microscope and people do this and they see big middle and, and little variances in the grind and that produces a very inconsistent cup of coffee and mm. our job is to make the same cup of coffee again and again and again and again and right. so we need something that's consistent okay that makes sense so is there a particular drink that that 
brings out the best in the coffee. I mean, you're saying I'm your ideal customer. I like, uh, we do a French press every morning. It's black, you know, love it. Uh, is there a specific type that would bring out those flavors? Depends on what you want. Like if you want body and you mm-hmm. want, um, French press is a great way to go. Um, I like the Kalita cause I like the filter coffee cause I think it makes a cleaner cup. Um, and I can taste those, those notes that I was mentioning earlier. But um, sometimes you want heavy body and the roasty notes and you want to put cream in it or you like it black, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on how you like it, honestly. Um, some people want a little sweetness, so a vanilla latte is always delicious. Right. And we always have specialty drinks at any time. Pumpkin spice. People want pumpkin spice. There's nothing wrong with that. That's delicious. We have some at Royal Drummer. We've got this buttercream made with buttermilk. And that goes wow. into a cappuccino, and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's not how I choose to drink coffee every day, but sometimes it hits the spot because yeah. it's, it's warm and creamy and a little bit sweet. And right, I can imagine on a cold, rainy Seattle day that might be like yeah, exactly hit, what you need. Hit the spot. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Um, so let's talk about coffee culture, right? So this is mm-hmm. becoming. You said you mentioned the third wave, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, what does it look like in Seattle? Are we like a, a competitor nationally and globally when it comes to coffee? Um, yeah, what does that look like? We are. I mean, the, th- the cool thing about Seattle is compared to a city like Portland, maybe. Like, s- Portland has more third-wave shops. They definitely were leading the way um, on that before we were because we had such an old-school uh, way of being because we had so many second-wave shops. So many Starbucks and Tully's and chains and right. three on every corner. And um, I actually love that about Seattle. Like, I don't have to go searching for coffee. It's just always right there. And we have this cafe culture here that I think is wonderful that for, you know, Seattle freeze, people complaining about that. You know, you go into any cafe and you're not going to see that. It's people mm-hmm. connecting and getting to know each other. And that's where they do it. And so our cafe culture is super rich and that is what Starbucks has brought to the rest of the country is a cafe culture to many cities that maybe didn't have it before. And so I do appreciate them for that. Um, but as far as third wave, we definitely have much more vibrant scene now. And this month alone, we had eight new indie coffee shops open up. I've never seen that many open in one month. Wow. So Anchorhead downtown and Union and on uh, Central District and Dorothea and Central District expanded their hours. Street Bean opened another shop yesterday in the U District. Oh, cool. Just on and on and on and on and on. Just these, you know, really cool shops doing cool stuff and taking a lot of pride in their coffee. So you're yeah. seeing just so many baristas out there that are really well-trained, which That's is good great. for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Is that something, like, do you know a lot of these owners, too? Do you try and keep in touch? Yeah, is, is we, culture, we do try. You know? It used to be a little more competitive and... Um, but now there's a lot more crossover. People are sharing and, um, and complimenting each other and talking to each other more, comparing notes. Um, it's not quite as competitive between shops. Cool. No, you know, no smack talk or negativity. Right. So that, that's been really nice to see people coming together and work together as a community. We have Thursday night throwdowns once a month where they have latte art competitions. Oh, no way. Um, And there's several other that pop up around town. And so there's a super vibrant Barista Guild uh, Facebook page. Cool. And um, I'm working with a group now trying to put together a coffee con convention in January, which is for consumers. But it's just bring 
the prosumer market, giving them a place to go and meet. And yeah. there's quite a large community in Seattle of prosumers, maybe especially the tech field. There's a lot of people right. and the musicians too, a lot of people that know a lot about coffee for not working in coffee. Wow. And um, giving them a place to go and meet. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Let me know when that happens. We'd love to do a live podcast there or something like that. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, January yeah. 27th, Seattle Center. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Um, okay, so your your first shop uh, was Cloud City, which opened in 2002. Right. Um, so you saw the mid-2000s bubble, uh, the 2008 crash, and now again our most recent boom in Seattle. As a small business owner, what has that roller coaster been like, and do you see anything similar or different about our current envir- environment compared to the mid-2000s? It, um, I have to say that you know it has been, the last couple of years have been really good. Um, I mean, Royal Drummer's different because it's new and getting people interested in new shops is a little harder because there's so many coffee shops. But um, the other two shops are just booming, thank goodness. Um, and it's it does remind me a little bit of other times where we've had booms. That I keep thinking, when's the next crash? When's mm-hmm. the next crash? Of course. I'm trying to save money, sock it away to be prepared for that. Um, to yeah, 2008 was especially hard. I mean, we we stayed open and we did well, but it, we we definitely flatlined. I mean, people mm-hmm. still spent money on coffee and eating out, but not quite as much um, as you see now. Um, you can see people not charging stuff because they couldn't. Um, mm-hmm. Houses not selling as well, and housing market was so different then. Um, so it's 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 just a matter of always having a product that's affordable. Like I've never, I never want to price myself out of the market. I want to keep it right in that mid range. So if, if another crash does come, um, and I always have my dollar drip to you. Right. If, of course. I, I just want to send the message that, you know, we are here for you. We are not that high end shop. We are affordable. We want really good food, but we want you to come in dressed as you are. We're not mm-hmm. stuck up. And, um, I just think that sends the right message to people if, if, if things, you know, do go south or flatline in the market. Um, That's good. Okay. So is there a way you can see our most recent rise in Seattle affecting your business, like positively or negatively? It definitely, I, I only see positives on me, honestly. Yeah. Good. Um, okay. Outside I, of the, the looming... Okay, when does the market reset? Type yeah, thing. that that yeah. is a worry. Um, yeah. People keep saying it's not like that here. It's going to be San Francisco. There's mm-hmm. not going to be a reset, and I, I don't know about that. Yeah. I have seen the housing market. I hear it slowed down a little bit it has, this yeah. year. Um, I tried to buy a house last December, and it was nuts. I thought it's December. It can't mm-hmm. be that bad. It was nuts. So, um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if it'll. I think that just with all the people coming in, um, if anything, the only thing that fear I fear is how we're pricing out the service industry mm-hmm. out of our city. We're pricing out the minimum wage people out of our city. Yeah. And those people, I mean, not may not have as much disposable income, but, you know, they still spend money yeah. and they're still good customers of ours. And I would hate to lose that, that, that base. 
I don't want just rich customers. Mm-hmm. You know, I appreciate them. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want just that type of person in yeah. my store. I want to have all. all inclusive. I want all yeah. of. Every, I want everybody to come in. Yeah. I want that variety. So um, it'd make me very sad if we lost that level of people because yeah. they've been priced out of Seattle. Yeah, it's so. a good point. So you you live in Seattle now. You're a business owner in the city. Mm-hmm. You're invested here. So as you look at Seattle as it currently stands, uh, what are your greatest hopes for the city? I hope that we figure out housing prices. I hope we figure out this homeless situation, which, mm-hmm. you know, who has figured it out? Maybe Utah, but... Yeah. Um, and I hope that... Um, I mean, the, the nimbyism, the nut-in-my-backyard thing, that worries me somewhat that people are, you know, we need to have growth. We need to have... Um, more concentration of people in the city so we can prevent sprawl. And I see a lot of fighting against that. And I hope that we think in a more cosmopolitan way as a city mm-hmm. so that we can be inclusive and grow smartly. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to continue to vote for any sort of transit option I, that's put in front of me. I just think it's the smart thing to do, even mm-hmm. if we have to pay for it now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's got to happen sometime. Right. So, um, when historically we've said no to transit so often that it's gotten us in the place that we are today. Exactly. And it's painful, you know, property taxes are painful, but we don't have income tax. So, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, it's got to come from somewhere. And I, you know, I'm very grateful that I live in such a wonderful city and it's such an inclusive city and that I live in the U.S. And so I have a lot of gratitude for where I am in life. So I can't just sit here and, and be upset about. You know, maybe it's going to cost me 20 bucks more a year in property taxes on something. Mm-hmm. Like, We're lucky to be where we are, and we should definitely be okay with putting some money into making our region even better. I mean, there's a certain amount of pride that needs to be taken in our region. So, Cool. Yeah, so what, on, on the flip side, what are some of your concerns uh, that we have? Like transportation is a huge concern. Yeah. You know, I, I see my employees struggle daily to get to work and to be able to afford to get to work and afford to have a place to live. So, you know, some sort of rent control, some sort of, or, you know, maybe sections of the city where there is rent control or maybe every new building that's built a certain amount of rent control mm-hmm. I think is helpful. Um, having more, a better train system would make a huge difference. Um, I'm sure there's other cities that have come up with plans. I mean, the, the bikes do seem to have helped, but it is hard to bike around this city, mm-hmm. and it's hard. It's getting it, more and more difficult. Yeah, and it's hard when it rains yeah. and it's cold. Yeah, and so um, I don't, I don't have all the answers, but um, public transportation and just taking care of people that live below the the median income, I think, yeah. is going to be a huge thing for such a rich city. I think we forget what it's like to have a hard time paying for transportation. And paying for rent and paying for groceries. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are struggling right now. Yeah. yeah, that's good. All right, so one one last question. What is your go-to cup of coffee in the morning that, that I need to go and have tomorrow morning at Cloud City? What's the go-to cup? Um, I think just... An Americano is always delicious. Yeah. That's, that's my go-to in that shop. That's so, our number yeah. one drink. So, yeah. um, I mean, I think we make great drip. Um but, you know, our espresso is really exceptional, and that's just a great way to drink it. And not everybody wants to have straight espresso. You want to be able to take your time with your drink, and right. I just think that's a good drink. I could tell you all sorts of seasonal drinks we have. Sure, now, tell but... me some seasonals. 
Um, we have a maple latte right now that's pretty exceptional. Oh. Our Canadian employee invented it. Um, we have an apple butter cup, which is apple butter and apples, and tastes great in an Americano. Wow. Um, but you don't seem like that kind of customer. You seem like a black coffee guy. Black coffee guy. So, yeah, yeah I think Americanos. Cool. Okay. Great way to go. Well, Jill, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Uh, Phil was bummed that he had to miss today, um, but I'm definitely, I'm, I know he'll enjoy the, the audio. Um, if you'd like to taste some of Jill's work uh, and her team, make sure to swing over to El Diablo, which is in Queen Anne, uh, to Cloud City Coffee, which is in Maple Leaf, and Royal Drummer, which is in Ballard. Um, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Rise Seattle was produced and recorded by the very talented Brett Baird. A special thanks to Bravery Music for our intro and outro music. You can contact us and find all of the show notes and episodes on our website, Rise Seattle Podcast. You can also connect with us on social, Instagram and Twitter, at TheRiseSeattle, and use hashtag RiseSeattle to be a part of the conversation. Please subscribe to our podcast and write us a very nice five-star review on iTunes. We would be grateful. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in two weeks for our next episode.